Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, much like a scene of the apocalypse, we're busy mining for coal and fighting a plague of mice. But we still have time to ruminate on the Northern Australia reinsurance pool. Even with the PM's help, it's almost impossible for coal mining companies to get insurance for projects in Australia. It's a dinner event on everyone's calendar as we arrange the seating plan for the reinsurance pool. And for many reasons, our listeners are delighted this feature is audio only. But just be glad we can't show you the viral videos of the mouse plague affecting New South Wales farmers. Hello, everyone. On the panel today, we have managing editor John Deeks and publisher Terry McMullen. Good morning, John. You've seen the mouse videos. How would you describe them to our listeners? Well, a bit like a horror movie, I suppose. There are these clips doing the rounds of swarms of mice, thousands of them just falling out of granaries and and farm buildings. And it's just, yeah, pretty sinister. Terrific. Hello, Terry. Good morning. Terry, why do mice dislike La Nina? Because it's always raining, cats and dogs. Thank you, Andrew. That worked me out. So uh, my resignation uh, is now official, and let's move swiftly on from that. I guess you could call it a joke. Thanks to submissions to a parliamentary inquiry, we know what we've suspected for a while. It's almost impossible for coal mining companies to get insurance for projects in Australia. And John, they're not happy about it, are they? No, not at all. The likes of Adani Group have traditionally kept their cards very close to their chest, And up until now, the stock response to any question about difficulties finding insurance cover has been that they have the requisite insurance requirements in place and no further information has been offered. But now there's a parliamentary inquiry underway, which is looking into the prudential regulation of investment in Australia's resources sector and other export-led industries. Ultimately, this inquiry is asking whether it's right that insurers and banks abandon legitimate industries like coal mining. Critics say there's an impact not only on the big fossil fuel companies, but also on a whole range of SMEs that have some level of exposure to those industries. And it seems this inquiry has encouraged coal mining companies to tell it how it is. Adani says that Australian insurers' boycott of thermal coal is misconceived and will export Australian livelihoods offshore. One of its partners, BMD Constructions, says it hasn't been able to find insurance at all for a section of a rail line it's been contracted to build for Adani's controversial Queensland mine. BMD says it cannot be the case that companies performing lawful government-supported works are not supported by the finance and insurance industries. Well, apart from following free economics and market forces... What are insurers saying about it? Well, as far as we can see, there aren't any submissions from insurers, but there is one from the Insurance Council. It dances around the issue a little bit, but it does point to the fact that damage from natural disasters is increasing. And there's a key role for insurers to articulate the risks presented by the impact of climate change. It says the insurance industry can lead by example by responsibly managing and holding its own capital in a climate change future. It also reminds the inquiry that there's been detailed guidance from regulators on this issue and says that this guidance extends to the climate risks of underwriting the fossil fuel sector. 
Basically, it's saying that insurers will continue to support Australia's export industries, but only where that support is consistent with regulatory guidance. Terry, this issue appears to be coming to a head. Who do you reckon is in the right here? Well, the fossil fuel companies, most notably coal and natural gas, they're the ones leading the charge on this issue. And coalition politicians in particular are trying to be nice to the coal sector because it employs lots of people and electorates it needs to win to stay in power. But then countering the government's dithering and downright obfuscation on climate policy is the fact that renewable energy, wind and solar in particular, is becoming far cheaper than coal or gas for power generation anyway. But what happens when the sun don't shine and the wind don't blow? Well, there's always been a counter argument, but battery storage is is evolving rapidly and that's the answer. The insurance industry is being guided by the government's own agency, APRA's, guidance on climate risk and by its own very strong awareness of the colossal risks associated with climate change brought about to a very large degree by the burning of fossil fuels. It's a confusing political fight and one that really gets some people very agitated. A totally separate question, who's going to come out on top? Good question. The insurance industry's opposition to environmentally damaging projects isn't confined to Australia, it's globally. And hopefully it'll help to slow climate change. So for the sake of the world, you've got to hope that the industry comes out on top. Now, in recent weeks, we've spoken at length about the government's cyclo reinsurance pool. But now the budget is done and dusted, the next step is designing the scheme in detail. The trouble is, everyone wants a seat at the table, don't they, John? Yes, that's right. There's um, there's a Treasury task force being set up and almost everyone we've spoken to about the pool says they want to be involved, whether that's insurers, brokers, strata groups, consumer groups. They've all been asking how they can get their voices heard. This week, we reported on a new Queensland consumer group that's been set up to represent insureds. And almost immediately, we heard from a WA broker saying, don't forget us, cyclones affect us too. I'd say the government's got quite a task on its hands to make sure all the key groups are represented, and it'll be an even bigger challenge to keep them all happy. As we've said, it's the detail of the scheme that will determine its level of success, so they have to get it right. Terry, the government wants the reinsurance pool operational in a little over 12 months. Is that feasible? Oh, maybe. Uh, But then I don't have a lot of faith in politicians who promise solid dates. There's plenty of data available already about Northern Australia property risks, so that'll help speed things along. And I guess it depends on the complexity of the deals and the number of people who want to be involved. The terrorism reinsurance pool, which the government is also the uh, underwriter of last resort to, took 22 months to put together. And it was a a lot simpler than this one's going to be. John, back to our InsureTech section. Suncorp held an investor day recently and had some interesting things to say about claims, didn't they? Yeah, so at the moment, 80% of Suncorp's claims are still submitted through traditional call centres and just 20% online. Suncorp told the investor day that they want to reverse these figures. So the vast majority of claims in future are submitted digitally. As we know, COVID has encouraged consumers down the digital road already, but Suncorp acknowledges this ambition is still going to be a huge shift for the business. It intends to use technology and artificial intelligence to simplify the online process for its customers making claims. Terry, 
Is this target something that the whole industry should be aspiring to? Oh, anybody who's working in the personal line space, certainly. Technology has to be the answer to to getting claims sorted quickly and efficiently. I'm, I'm not so certain for those companies that are, that are specialists in various areas who have a, a lower number of clients and a, and a lot more complexity in the claims, but certainly in personal lines, yes. Well, as we know from the rather chilling viral videos doing the rounds, parts of rural New South Wales are currently under siege from mice. Farmers are facing some pretty large losses and homes could be hit too. But John, am I right in saying insurance is unlikely to assist? Yes, you are, unfortunately. Um, we've probably all seen the, the clips of mice swarming all over the uh, farms in New South Wales and farmers could be set to take a big financial hit. And that's on top of all the usual challenges that they face, like floods and fires and droughts. But yeah, insurance, this, it's a tricky area when it comes to vermin. Crop insurance is is complex anyway, but vermin damage is not likely to, to be covered. And it's a similar story with home and contents. We spoke to IAG and they told us that vermin damage is excluded. But some of its brands will cover fires or floods that occur as a result of mice chewing through cables or pipes and so on. So there, there could be some cover available depending on your individual circumstances. I'm not too sure why vermin damage is excluded or has traditionally been excluded, but the reasoning is likely, I guess, to be similar to things like termites, where the idea is that if you take care to maintain your property and carry out regular checks, then you should be able to avoid damage taking place. But um, I guess when the mice reach plague proportions like this, it, it's a little bit harder to argue that consumers can, can control the damage themselves. Well, look, that raises a good point. I mean, is this plague the kind of thing that insurance should cover, Terry? Oh, look, it, it's, a, it's a regular sort of thing out in, in the outback of Australia, the, these plagues. I think that it's a risk that's very, very difficult to measure. And I'm don't think that most insurers would be too happy about covering against it when the effect of these very irregular occurrences uh, is, is astronomical. On a different note, the Insurance Council of Australia has gone through a major rebrand. It's hard to describe without a visual aid, but John, the new logo is basically a series of shapes, isn't it? Yes, that's that's right. It's, it's, it's a series of blocks broadly resembling the letters I, C and A. The A is on a bit of a slant, so it's taken me a few days to get used to it, but I, I still reckon it's going to catch on. CEO Andrew Hall describes this fresh creative as using strong foundational shapes and the bold colours found in Australia's landscape to underscore the ICA's role as the voice of a resilient Australia. ICA used a boutique agency to design the new logo and website, which, to be fair, was probably looking a little bit dated. Andrew Hall clearly has been reading up on his marketing text by that statement. Terry, you were at the ICA for a number of years before starting Insurance News. What do you think? I feel like a very old man when I say that I started at the Insurance Council 30 years ago. But the first question I was asked when I walked through the door was, would I change the logo? And my answer was no, and not until we actually changed ourselves. It's interesting to note that over the past 25 years or so, there have been at least four ICA logos, all of them promising wonderful things, yet the, the council continued on exactly the way it was before. Let's hope that this time 
this logo and you have banned me from saying what I think it reminds me of will really live up to its promise of more wonderful things. Listeners, feel free to write in if you think you know what Terry thinks uh, the logo looks like. Well, finally today, I could use your help to clear something up. Why is Arthur J. Gallagher buying Willis Ree? And isn't it a bit of a bargain, Terry? Well, Aon had to get rid of Willis Ree to actually get around the European regulators who were worried about the colossal size that Aon already was. Willis Ree is a fantastic company. It's always had a, a really fantastic profile. And the logical place for it to go was either, I guess, to operate independently, which it would have found some difficulty in doing, or going to Gallagher. Gallagher's a, a company that's probably going to embrace Willis Ree and all its wonderful customers with open arms. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Inside Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, John Deeks and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Inside Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.